What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Today, Sean and I jumped right in, and we started off with the Baker Mayfield news. We discussed that for a little bit. Following that, we talked NBA trades, trades that didn't happen yet, anticipation. After that, we talked MLB. We talked about the Mets, the Yankees. We went around the league just a tiny bit. We'll be doing that a little bit more um, just after the next golf major. Following that, we did talk golf, and then we talked a little college football. So follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports and enjoy the pod. And welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We're here on a Wednesday night. Tom, how you doing, sir? How was the Cape? How was your Fourth of July? Cape was lovely. Fourth um, of July was was nice. Didn't get home till late, but that's all right. Like the Cape a lot. I was very far. I, I you didn't tell me that where your parents live is like the very beginning of the Cape, and I was at the yeah, very it's end. like the second town off. Yeah, yeah, and I was at the very very end. So. But hey, it was a good time. Your dad, I, I guess, you know, I sent out the flare for him to come play golf, but I guess he didn't want to come. That's all right by me. Um, I hope you had a good fourth. Well, the 6A traffic is brutal this time of year, buddy, so he was not yeah. going to drive. Took us, from, uh, took us six hours to get there. Jesus. Nice three-hour ride home, but six hours to get there. I believe it, man. I mean, it's, it's brutal. I mean, like right probably like you know three four miles before the bridge it just goes completely congested and then 6a i mean it took know, us an a, hour a and a half lot. It took us an hour and a half to get from greenwich to stanford oh wow yeah that's right because you do 95 right mm-hmm. up to 495 for yeah. us to get from where we are in greenwich to the last exit in stanford slash beginning of norwalk took us an hour and a half oh my god that's that summer traffic for you but Yep. At least you got up there and you had a much easier trip home, and good for you. Uh, my fourth was good. Obviously, when we recorded last week, I wasn't feeling great, um, but I started to feel better, you know, probably by like midday Saturday, end of Saturday. So I was able to salvage the weekend a little bit. Uh, nothing too crazy, but it was low key. Had a good time. Uh, got to hang out with some friends and see the fireworks and all that shit. Um, but we're back at it. And, Tom, you know, there's a lot of sports we can talk about that has happened since Thursday. We got reactions. We got some catch up, catching up to do. But we're leading with the hot dog contest and Joey Chestnut, right? Absolutely. First thing I wanted to get in before that was a birthday shout-out to the secretary. Um, hey, happy birthday. Happy birthday. I hope he's enjoying it. I haven't seen him in a while, but it's wedding season. I'm, I'm, I'm swamped, but... Hopefully soon. Um, yes, back to the hot dog eating contest. You know I'm an, an aspiring um, food eating, comp- competitive food eater myself. So I was just, it was incredible. I mean, Joey Chestnut is the greatest athlete to ever be born. Was there ever a better intro than the intro he had to begin the competition? No, but I mean, you got to be good to have that kind of an intro and and. I don't know how many in a row this is, like eight of them, because Kobayashi got popped for PEDs, believe it or not. I think he actually did. Um, yeah, he did. 
I don't know what they were. I told Michaela that it was uh, that it was like heartworms or something that he put parasites <laughs> in his body to help him eat the hot dogs. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then for you know him to be leading and some guy to rush the stage, I don't even know what that person was protesting. Um, I don't think it was anything important. I couldn't really make out the sign, and for him to just throw the guy in a headlock mid hot dog and then get right back to it was just. I mean, it's right up there with, you know, any any athletic feat. It's, it's the Jordan with, Flu game. Yeah, it's up there. Well, he was also in a walking boot. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible stuff. And I'm sure he's champion of other things other than hot dogs. Little known. I don't know if anybody knows this, but they do have other eating championships like cannoli, taco, stuff like that. I've been looking about. I've been looking about getting into the circuit myself. Well, you have been training uh, my whole know, life. So, yeah, so it's 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 about time you you throw your hat in the ring here. Fifteen time, my bad. Fifteen time. That is just a little remarkable. disrespectful by me over over here, giving him only What's- eight. He he's, he belongs on Mount Rushmore now. Net worth of two point five million. Hmm. Wow, that is, that's that's kind of a shock for me. Well, that's, you know, that's a I, don't, lot of I don't money. know how much the I don't know how much the purse is, but if he's winning every single year, you think he's you ugly? Imagine. Do I think he's ugly? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, his, his face looks like it's been through the ringer, but. Yeah, he I might be a drinking champ, too. The, the, he might be. It's very red. But the dude is pretty jacked. Like, I got to say, he ha- he's, he's in good shape. Kind of, yeah, he is, he is pretty athletic. Although, I'll tell you least. what, number two in the world, Jeffrey Esper, he's got nothing on him. That guy is jacked. I'm looking at a picture. Oh, of man. Yeah. Well, so. but remember, Kobayashi, he was, he was fucking ripped, too. He well, was, he was he, skinny, but he was, he was shredded. Yeah, he was. I mean, it can't be good, though. That's not good for your body. You can't do that. I can. Well, I'm looking forward to you. Maybe I'll uh, come up to Coney Island next year and you'll be entered in. Michaela, I think like anybody could enter. Michaela told me I'm not allowed to. But I I don't know. Maybe she just doesn't want to see me die on stage pre-kids. Maybe I'll give give her a few kids, and then the next husband I'll have more money and be better looking, and I could die I could die happy. <laughs> oh, that's a that is a uh, that's a shot to yourself there, buddy. Listen, you I have to. I think I think that she shouldn't discourage you from your dreams, and you were born to do this. You've been training your whole life, and who knows you could you could carve out that really cushy life for you guys. Two point five mil ain't so bad. No, not so bad. Listen, Joey Chestnut, he, he has to lose at some point. Why not lose to you? Exactly. So, yeah, uh, it's a tradition unlike any other. Probably better than the They're, Masters. It is better than the Masters. Um, all right, we got that out of the way. Congrats to Joey Chestnut, the true hot dog eating goat. Um, we got to talk about news that happened today, Tom. Baker Mayfield is now a Carolina Panther. Um they traded absolutely nothing to get him, and I think it's absolutely hilarious that not the to mention room, the Browns took a lot of money on. No, they really did. I think ten million or some eighteen million. I think it was. But what I think is hilarious is the quarterback room in in Carolina now is Baker Mayfield, the number one overall pick in the twenty eighteen draft. Your former baby boy Sam Darnold, the number three pick in the two thousand eighteen NFL draft, and Matt Corral, who 
the Carolina Panthers just drafted this year. And if Cam Newton wants to come back and be in that room, the number one overall pick in the 2011 NFL draft. Hysterical. They're, they're a terrible team, but the Browns, I mean, this is just, this is laughable at this point. It really is. I guess it was an untenable situation with Baker. Um, maybe he wasn't going to report to training camp or even play at all. Um, because really they're they're a sitting duck now. I mean, we've talked till we're blue in the face about the Deshaun Watson legal problems. So I don't think we have to go into that, but in football wise, they don't they don't have right now a quarterback. I mean, not that the NFL has done anything. They like they like to sit on their hands when it comes to moral issues. No, I don't think they're doing I, I we talked about this, bro. I think they're trying to make sure they get everything figured out before they utter you know, before they instilled the discipline, I think they're doing the right thing here. There's no rush. Sure, but let's let's get some let's get some press out. Let's get some words out here. They have. They they've been saying that we're going to wait to make the decision based off all the information that we gather. All right. Fine. There's no reason to make a decision right now. Listen, I'm happy to shit on the NFL, but we you can't say that they're dragging their feet on this. They're because if they overreact and rush, then they're going to probably end up fucking up. That's fair enough. Let's. I'll give them till I'll give them till you know preseason. That's probably when it's going to happen. It'll probably be you know around training camp or preseason. I did, now. Do you expect them to do the right thing? I mean, I don't know what the right thing yeah. is. Most of the most of the civil suits have been settled. These are not criminal charges, so I don't know. I guess I don't if know you settle something, is. though, that means there's evidence against you, and you're accepting responsibility, though. No. But the, Sure, but they also have to, you know, they're going to do their own suspension and they're going to have their own court that it has nothing to do with legalities. They're going to say, well, in the court of the NFL, you know, I, it's, I believe it's going to be a year. I think everybody's planning on it to be a year, and that's likely the way it's going to go. I mean, look how long it took the MLB to decide on Trevor Bauer. They just kept suspending him another 10 days or whatever the hell it was last year before they finally made their decision this year to suspend him for two seasons. So I I think they're going to, I think they're going to let it play out for a little bit longer and make sure they have all their ducks in a row and then make the sound decision. But to get back to your point, it was untenable in in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield was never going to play for that franchise again. It was just about finding out where he wanted to go. Seattle was long rumored and they didn't want to pull the trigger on that move. And now he's going to be in Carolina and, I mean, is there an actual – does he walk in and be the starter, Tom, or does he actually have to battle with Darnold? I mean, at that point, with three, possibly four quarterbacks in the room, I think I think you're going to have to have a little bit of a competition, but I think it's a wink-wink, Baker's got the job kind of thing. I mean, Darnold's had a couple good, you know, three-game stretches, four-game stretches in the NFL. Baker – Baker won a playoff game. He's a better quarterback. Let's let's just be real. And I think it's Baker's job to lose. Um, and I re- I feel for the guy because I think if he didn't play hurt last year, I don't know if we'd be having these discussions. Yeah, we talked about that a lot, you know, during the season and at the end of the season, especially once the move for Watson was made. I, I mean, I, I, I don't particularly think Baker Mayfield's all that great. I think he's good when – I think he's a great front runner. I think he's really good when everything's working out for him, and I don't think he's very good when nothing's working out for him. I agree. Uh, I just think he's and you're better right. than he, Sam Darnold. I do too, and that's why I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you and say that I think it's his job. I mean, let's put it this way: Sam Darnold had every opportunity last year to to not only have that job and secure it for what they gave up to the Jets, 
But to end up being the franchise guy, I mean, he lost his job to Cam Newton, who didn't have a job, and then to eventually P.J. Walker, who's playing in the old XFL. So I, I think it's I think it's pretty unanimous that Baker Mayfield's going to start, and then we'll just see how good he actually is. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I guess it's big news, but for a fifth-round draft pick, it doesn't really feel that big of news. But, I mean, it is one of 30, 32 quarterbacks, so we're going to have to see. Um so we'll talk about the NBA. Rudy Gobert gets traded. Sean, can you go over the package for me? Do you have it pulled up? You need me to pull it up? I believe it was four rotational players and five future firsts, three of which were – oh, no, yeah, it was it was four picks and then two swaps, I believe. And uh, what are the protections on those picks? Oh, they're not protected, Tom. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, um, I I don't even I'm speechless about that. Gobert is a is a culture changer defensively. Um, I think he's like a two time defensive player of the year, very good player, multiple time All Star. But I mean, if they're trading that for Rudy Gobert, Kevin Durant, you might as well just give him the entire team. Yeah, so I think we can attack this from a couple of different lenses. First of all, congratulations to Brian Windhorst, who had uh, the social media, you know, world up in up in arms after what he that two minute soliloquy had on first take about what the Jazz are doing after the Royce O'Neal trade to Brooklyn. I think he had this. Bill Simmons said he thought he had it. He probably did, just couldn't say anything yet. Um, let's talk about it from a Utah standpoint before why Minnesota would do this. Danny Ainge, bro, right? Danny Ainge is going to do something. That Utah situation was obviously not going any anywhere fast. It was well past its expiration date. They were going to have to break up Mitchell and Gobert, and they chose Gobert to ship out there first. Um, but to recoup what they got, I mean, do you think Donovan Mitchell is the next piece, or are they going to try to build around Mitchell? And what do you think is both the short and long-term future there in Utah? Um, Donovan Mitchell already questioned the trade publicly, um, but I think their efforts are to build around Donovan Mitchell. They got a good defensive center back, not of the elk of Rudy Gobert, but they got a lot of pieces, future pieces to put around him as well, or they could work that into another trade if they want to. I think they're going to try and keep Donovan Mitchell, but again, I'm going to go back to the untenable thing. If it becomes untenable, then they're going to trade him and just completely blow it up and start from the ground up. I agree with you. I think that what they're going to do is wait for Mitchell to be absolutely balling out again like he was you know, two years ago. Because let's be honest, if they were to trade him, even though he still has very high value, I don't think they'd be selling him at the highest value. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and and again, you don't—he's under contract for the next what three years, something like that. So you don't have to trade him tomorrow. You can wait till no, the All Star break. Yeah, you can wait till the trade deadline or next summer. And you know, is he really happy in Utah? And he wants to see how this all plays out and where the picks end up being and all that. Um, I think for Minnesota to to want to go out and acquire a stud and and expand upon what you did last year, which was a really fun season and being in the postseason and that weird series they had with Memphis. I get that, but to mortgage your entire future on Rudy Gobert, who we've seen can't play in the playoffs, I, I, I'm I'm speechless, honestly. 
Yeah, that trade blew me away. Just the amount that they gave up. Literally, like you said, literally mortgaging their future for a guy who, I mean, I don't think he makes them a Western Conference Finals favorite, which I feel like is what what you that package is worth. Agreed. I don't think he does either. I think what he does is makes them a much better regular season team where you can at least get as, you know, maybe a four or five seed in the West um, where I think they won 46 games last year. Maybe they maybe they win 50, 51, 52 because Gobert is an impact player during the season. For sure. But it's but but this is a move you make to win to win championships or at the very least playoff series. And like you said, he's unplayable in the fourth quarters of the playoffs. It's a move you make if you trade that kind of package. I I don't know why they think Gobert is going to be the missing piece unless they finally just acquiesce to Carl Anthony Towns, who doesn't want to play the position of a real prototypical center anyway. I think think that decision has definitely been made. So how do you see this this – team working out you've got d'angelo russell you've got obviously the ant-man and edwards and now you've got the twin towers here and then i don't know who their fifth is maybe torian prince like what do you see the what do you see this team's offense looking like do you think this is something that's going to work out pretty well early or do you see some growing pains here i mean the first thing first domino i'm looking to fall is whether or not they're going to sign up for d'angelo russell for another year or try and dump him um because uh, i mean he was terrible in the playoffs and he's a ball stopper and you want the ball in the hands of your two best offensive players. And that's obviously Edwards and cat. And, but offensively, I think this works out at least in the regular season, just fine. I mean, because Gobert is not going to be in the way necessarily of Edwards. He can, he can, he can be a good pick and roll guy. Cat likes to work outside in anyways. So I, I think it'll be, a pretty good team offensively and defensively. I just think they took like five steps forward because Anthony Towns doesn't really like to play defense. I think he's a decent defender when he puts in effort. Edwards is still young, but you see, you saw it in Utah. They had terrible defenders, but they were always higher up defensively. I, I say artificially because Gobert was just a human eraser in there, and he made up for so many mistakes, and I think he can do that in Minnesota as well. I totally agree with you. I, I think that he's going to be a very important piece for Carl Anthony Towns to have his best season ever offensively and kind of pick his spots defensively. I agree with you on Russell. I think that's going to be a problem they're going to have to address, whether it be still during the summer, uh, you know, once certain dominoes fall, or uh, if it's at the trade deadline and they're not living up to their potential. But I think this could be a really fun team, at least regular season-wise. Agree 100%, uh, but again, we both said it. That doesn't justify the trade in my eyes. I think they're going to be a very good team. They could even shoot for a three seed, but I could also see them losing in the first round because Gobert's unplayable, and you know, Cat is Cat. He'll have 11 points and two rebounds in one game and 30 in the next, and Anthony Edwards is still young. Yep. Yeah, it's... It's not a bad trade to get Rudy Gobert to try to figure all this out and maybe build a very strange team, even though we've clearly seen the NBA go away from centers and it's a wings league, as Kevin Durant said. But um, to, to give up that haul, I mean, just honestly, we might look back on this and be like, 
hey, remember that Nets-Celtics trade 2013? That wasn't all that bad. I, I know that's what you're hoping for. Um, <laughs> that, do, that one doesn't bother me anymore, but yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's like, what is the value of a draft pick in the NBA anymore? I think you, you kind of have an idea of what the value of a draft pick is in the NFL unless you're trading for a quarterback. Um, but in the NBA, it's like you see a guy like Chet Holmgren, you see what he's doing in the summer league, and I know that doesn't really matter, but – these these unprotected picks, I mean, you're giving up a billion for them. I guess you're getting a sure asset that's already proven on the other side, but, I mean, you hemorrhaged your future for, for years. Well, what it does for certain franchises is it allows you to build a potential dynastic team. You know, you see what Houston got. We're going to see what plays out with Durant and Kyrie's future and what the Nets actually are in the coming years. But they've got a lot of picks there. I mean, both markets, Utah and Minnesota, respectively, are not major free agent destinations. So, you know, for Minnesota to part with that after getting a number one overall pick in Edwards and seeing how that worked out, you now got Utah, who, you know, their best players are, are – or uh, their best player now, obviously, is Donovan Mitchell, whom they drafted. They're going to hope that all of these picks are, are not – very are not too far deep in the uh, in the draft and their lottery picks and then they're just going to purge and Minnesota is going to be in, are going to be basement dwellers again. Um, oh, I agree. I I'm just more curious about how certain teams view the value of their draft picks because it seems to have gone down significantly with these no protections on them at all. And I don't know, well, we, like Hitchin, Anthony Edwards was amazing last season. Hitching my wagon to Carl Anthony Towns because if you lose him, this team could end up in the dumpster real quick, and then you're in a hell of a lot of trouble. I just I don't know, man. I'm with you, bro. I I, I think it's a I think it's a really it's a really risky proposition again, especially for somebody like Gobert. Who, if this was for Kevin Durant, okay, 100%. you can talk me into that, but. I guess they assume they're never going to have a bad enough record during the time in which Gobert is there, and what the future is where well, they're going to probably yeah. extend uh, where they're going to st- extend Edwards. Of, of course, and I think I think any team that makes a, t- a trade like that always says to themselves, "Well, we're not we're not going to be picking in the lottery anyways." But then that doesn't always work out. No. All right, well, leading it, coming off of that, going into a trade that hasn't happened yet, the Kevin Durant saga, he has gone silent. And honestly, respect to the Nets for not just taking any bullshit deal, whatever, to get out of the situation. I don't think they could anyways. And they're really they're weighing their options here. And I think Woj put it out today that they want a record trade. I mean, I, I think the Gobert trade was pretty close to a record trade before this, so I could only imagine what they're asking for for KD, what's even feasible. Um, I mean, I think they're looking for like a, a Jimmy Butler and, and something else from from Miami for him to go down f- to send Durant down there. I, I don't really know what else you could really ask for. I, I think it's going to be damn near impossible to trade it the more I thought about it. Which and to me, I, you know, yep. just thinking about it, driving around as I do, it's just like, okay, whatever. Then don't play basketball for four years. Like, or we can try and make this work. They still, at this point in time, have Kyrie Irving for at least the year. 
And who knows? This shit shit changes fast. I mean, you remember back in the day when um, Kobe Bryant wanted to get traded five times over, and and Doctor Bus said, "No, we're not trading you." And he ended up winning two more championships with the Lakers. And in a month, we could Kevin Durant could end up saying, "I changed my mind" or whatever. And and then we had that whole depressing pod last week for nothing. Yeah, it's a weird situation. Um, you know, generally, almost all the time now, superstars get what they want. But what makes this a really hard trade to do is, you know, you look at hard the Harden trade, right, out of Houston. The only two teams that realistically you could were able to get him were the sweepstakes between Brooklyn and Philly. And if he went to either team, he was either going to be joining Durant and Irving, none of them were going to be in that trade, or he was going to be joining... Um, Tobias Harris for whatever you want to say about him and obviously Joel Embiid and a really good supporting cast there of like Seth Curry and and a couple other pieces uh, with Simmons who was going to be in that deal what are you going to I mean Durant he wants to go to Miami great I mean if you can't get you would have to trade one of Jimmy Butler probably Bam if they can move off of Simmons well yeah and then obviously Toronto, like, do you want to go play there anyway? But that would have to mean you don't have Scotty Barnes and probably not Siakam. I mean, okay, fine. Phoenix wants to, you could play with both part with both Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but Tom, you're not going to have really anybody else because they'll all get purged. I don't see either of his preferred destinations being met. No, um, unless, I mean, there could be some crazy chicanery pulled with, you know, a four-team deal or whatever, which is going to take a hell of a lot of time, which I'm sure teams are cooking up something and looking into. But uh, honestly, unless there's a three-teamer or even more, I don't see this deal getting done. And I think the Nets are just at the point where they're like, if we, if you don't meet our number or, or our trade package then we're not doing it we're going to wait it out and if he doesn't want to play then he's not going to get paid and he's not going to play for four years and then his career is going to be over well if he's good oh yeah no go ahead i mean and i'm just just one thing like you you said last week like you want to keep a good rapport in the league and you want to do right by kd i get it but you're also not going to get raked over the coals and get a shit deal so i understand the nets position of we don't have to trade you today we don't even have to trade you at the all-star break we don't have to trade you next year so we're gonna wait for the best deal possible and and weigh it out from there and then create a bidding war well that's exactly right and and joe sai is not gonna be backed into a corner after all he's done for these guys and be like yeah i'll just send you for 25 cents on the dollar when I've placated to every single one of your requests. And I think KD, you know, he's a guy who who likes to play that he doesn't care about any criticism or doesn't give a shit. His record speaks for itself, blah, blah, blah. But we have also seen him be relatively sensitive to these things. Obviously the bus driver comment that Barkley made and, you know, Tom, part of the report from, I believe it was, Woj. I've got all these reporters mixed up now between Chris Haynes and Shams and Woj and Windhorst, but whomever, whomever put it out there said that the, the Warriors winning the championship, the issues with Kyrie and questions about his legacy and chance to win in Brooklyn were the reasons why he requested the trade. So obviously the Warriors winning mattered no matter what he said publicly. Like that's a, that's a real stain on his legacy and anywhere he goes, 
you know, it's not going to be anything like other players we've seen. Right. So for him to want to leave, okay, great. Where are you going? That's going to give you as good of a chance as this current Brooklyn roster. And I want to get your thoughts on this real fast. The Nets made a couple moves, right? The Royce O'Neal trade the day of like an hour before the Durant trade request. But I don't know if you saw. They signed T.J. Warren to a one-year deal. Yeah, I love deal. that deal. I love. I mean, he hasn't been healthy since the bubble, but that bubble season, pre-bubble and during, he was balling out. I really like that move. And then they bring in Edmund Sumner, who, prior to an Achilles injury, was shooting almost forty percent from three with Indiana as a as a role guy. And one thing that was interesting about the report from Shams, this one I remember with Shams with the Warren deal was. Apparently, they had almost reached an agreement at the beginning of free agency. But he said he wanted to see what the top of the roster was going to look like before committing. And then we see he signs. So, well, did he, he have a change of heart? Run. Yeah, so that's my question to, to you. Player. I mean, I don't know, because now like the odds are going crazy in Vegas, and now the odds of him staying are much higher. Just for me... From both Kyrie and Kevin Durant, I just I just think it's like what what an incredible miscalculation, and I I don't know how much thought and they have you know teams. KD's got Rich Kleiman, I'm sure Kyrie's got his people, and it's like first of all Kyrie, you know, threatening to not sign his, or not opt in to his deal and say, oh, I'm going to take the the $6 million mid-level exception or whatever. It's like we, first of all, like I know Kyrie's a little out there, but you're not going to, you're not going to pass up $30 million for one season of basketball. And there was really nobody to take you on and try and force a trade that way, that way. So now you just look like an idiot because you come back, you know, hat in hand and take the, take the, option back of course because who who would the richest man in the world wouldn't pass up 30 million dollars that's a hell of a lot of money and then Kevin Durant it's like did you guys really weigh your options did you know that you can't trade Bam because Ben Simmons is on your team did you know that Devin Booker couldn't be traded for you because um, Ben Simmons is on your team like when you requested this trade did you even know the options that the Nets had because now you you're honestly, it's looking like going to have to come back hat in hand as well. And it's like these guys want to demand their trades and and have it their way and whatever. But it's like sometimes even the rules don't don't let you do that. So it's like, are, are you guys even thinking when you when you do these things? You just asked the I don't know, however much money you want to put on it, but by far the best question of, of this podcast how can you miscalculate this situation any worse? Because seriously, and and everything that's been put out there from Kyrie's side, it's been universally laughed at by the league. Every source across the league, according to every report you see lately, is saying that not only do these teams not want him, but he has no value in terms of trades. And the Lakers won't even, at least as of this point, won't even include a 27 or 29 pick, first-round pick, with Russell Westbrook, which the Nets don't want to do anyway. So it would take a third-team trade. They have Taylor Horton Tucker as the next attractive offer. for And say whatever the hell you want about Kyrie Irving. The Nets are not going to say, oh, yeah, you mean this 
all-worldly player who's enter- who's basically in his prime for Russell Westbrook, who just had the worst year of any superstar ever. Like, yeah, we're not going to do that. So mm-hmm. we'll hold court, and he doesn't have a no-trade clause, and we can send him wherever the hell he wants. And if he chooses to pull any bullshit again, we'll just sit him and fine him, or we'll send him to purgatory. For Durant, I mean, listen, I'm at the point now where I don't really care what happens. If you tell me tomorrow that they had a coming-to-Jesus moment and Durant's rescinded his trade offer and they want to treat this like a last dance, even though that's a stupid analogy because the Bulls won five championships before that, but they're going to say, let's give it one year, we'll run it, and Cy makes a handshake agreement and says, all right, after this year, Kyrie's gone unless we win a championship and we'll extend him, or even if not, he's gone and we'll trade you to wherever the hell you want. But you also can tell me, listen, we're going to get the greatest haul of players, and that was the most recent story today, was that the Nets want the best return of players, not necessarily draft picks ever Mm -hmm. seen. So they have no intention of those Houston picks end up being any good at all. I'm in agreement with you. This is going to take a long time. This is going to take multiple teams to get him to one of his preferred destinations. Or you can ship him out anywhere the hell you want to ship him to if it's the best deal. I still think that they're going to try to do right by him and not send him to some bum team. But it's an, it's almost impossible. With a player of his ilk, a top 10 to 15 player of all time, however you want to phrase it, to anybody with four years of team control while he's still playing at an MVP level, there is no equal value for him. Yeah, and again, just to reiterate for me, I am just absolutely baffled that these guys don't have smarter people in their ear saying like, listen, man, this, this isn't a good idea. I've, I've had, you know, the team look at, look at what the possible trade offers could be and the, and the Nets just, it's, it's damn near impossible. And for Kyrie, it's like the same thing. Like, you know, unless you want to get traded for Talon Horton Tucker and, and, Russell Westbrook, which the Nets aren't going to do. You're looking at nothing. It's like, I, I don't get it. I saw it in the MLB. It's like Freddie Freeman had to fire his agent because he didn't give him the Atlanta Braves deal that would have kept him in Atlanta. He didn't, before he signed the Dodgers deal, he he neglected to mention it to him. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, who are these people hiring? Like, yes, man. it's unbelievable. Like, I, I just... I, I don't get it because at the end of the day, at some point, these yes men, you see it in the Oval Office, are going to make you look stupid. Yeah, and I think what the real shame of this whole situation is, is instead of talking about what the potential of this current roster is, I mean, Tom, you've got Durant and Kyrie with Joe Harris, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Patty Mills is back, Claxton is back, you signed TJ Warren, you signed Sumner. Like, you got Cam Thomas in year two, who apparently teams have been calling about trying to get the Nets have turned down every offer. Like, this is a team that could be really good. Royce O'Neal, who's Mm -hmm. a really good 3 and D wing. Like, this team's really, really good, and they have flexibility with with the 2023 Philly pick, plus having uh, a mid-level trade exception. Like, there's roster flexibility to get even better. And, and instead of talking about how this team is could be a favorite in the East, we're talking about is this team even going to be intact in a, in a, in a 24 hour span or heading into training camp or at the start of the season. I think it's just as a fan, it sucks, but just fan of the NBA. It's like, this team is so good. Why do they want out? Yeah. 
I mean, honestly, if there was a way I could place a bet on it, at least to start the season, I'm I would bet that it is the the roster is what it is. It's just the more you read the tea leaves, the Nets are the Nets are hell bent on getting what they deserve for for Kevin Durant, and and if that deal is just impossible at this point in time, so I, I really just feel that this team, you know, we did that whole. Put you know, put you in a coffin and and buried you last week. You it yeah. was more self inflicted. You wanted to do it, which was, you know, commendable well, by you. So, <laughs> but but I mean, you may end up happy or not for KD and Kyrie. You may end up with with this team because I think that's what the the Nets are going to end up doing. I mean, at the end of the day, they've been treated like shit by these two players. Three, if you want to include Harden. Um, but they do have a reputable ownership and a reputable head coach, and I think they're gonna they're gonna try and figure this thing out at least to start the season. I really do. If I could if I could place a bet on it right now that the Nets roster keeps Kevin Durant and Kyrie on it, I would. You gonna put that on their Substack? If I can find the bet on FanDuel, I'll throw a little cash on it and I'll throw it on Substack. Four for four yesterday. Hit a four teamer. I mean, no, I'm you're just... a, you're. A... You're a beast right now. It's it's actually like I don't want to jinx you because of how good you've been. But. Everybody's been jinxing me. People are hitting me up like crazy. But I mean, today not today not so good on the stack. Uh, the Brewers fucked me, but I did. <laughs> the Brewers fucked me. Cleveland fucked me. Um, but I do have another parlay in Otani seven plus Ks. He got ten today, and the Yankees just have to win by one and a half. So that one's gonna hit and recoup me all my money. So I'm good. Beautiful. Look at that. Um, but yeah, man, just to put a bow on it. I mean, truthfully, at this point, with all my, all the drama and headaches and refreshing Twitter nonstop, I'm over what, it. By the way, I am too. I, I really am. It's exhausting, and like, I want to focus on who the Yankees are going to acquire in a month or before that at the MLB trade deadline, and hopefully focus on a on a championship come October and the start of the football season. I don't want to worry about where these guys' heads are at because it could be anywhere at any time. But I just think it sucks. Uh, but if the Nets do end up trading him, I know it's going to be for a King's ransom and that they'll still be a really good team. And, and just knowing that is exciting because – Moving off of those two guys with the talent that they are is never a good thing. But when you look at the rest of this roster configuration, they clearly have an image. They've replaced all of that you know, lack of size with really versatile, good-sized defensive wings who can shoot. And they got um, a lot younger, too. You know, and they got a lot Aldridge young. and Griffin and those, you know, the, the old grizzled vets that you sign when you want to try and win a championship and hold on for one last run. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. We're going to be on this watch for probably a long time, and according to you, even into the season. So, so we've got that. I mean, how do you here. how do you feel as a resident Nets fan? If you if you were to put if you were to put money on it, are, do KD and Kyrie start the season as Brooklyn Nets? <sighs> I don't know how badly Durant wants it. I I, that, I I need. A, I, and I, need I know that answer. sounds like a hedge, but if he <laughs> if he starts pulling like Harden shit, or he's or like Simmons shit, where he's just not gonna, where he's like saying, I, I, I'm not I, recording. I don't know. I don't then I'm gonna. Yeah, I don't think he is either. But I don't know if he has any intentions of going nuclear or not. If he's if he's going to Joe Science, like every day that you don't trade me and I want out, I don't care. I'm not coming in. I'm not 
talking to the team. I am not going to be having any conversations with the front office or the coaching staff about fucking anything. If he's being that way, then they're going to trade him. That's just not a healthy environment to have, especially for an all-time great. But if he's not going that way and he is just, quote-unquote, going dark, then, I, then I'm going to agree with you. So if I, if I put a gun to my head, I'm going to say the same as you. They, they both are on this team, at least to start training camp. We'll see after that. Yeah, honestly, the more I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's not even worth it because last week the sky was falling. This week I think they're going to be on the team. Next week the sky is going to be falling again. So Of course. I'm, I'm sick and tired of the soap opera, the NBA. It, the the offseason got so much more fun a few years back with all the crazy signings and whatnot, but now it's just the pendulum has swung way too far, and it's just it's annoying at this point. Well, not, not only that, but let's think about this as we wrap up the NBA portion of the podcast, Tom. DeAndre Ayton, who I know his value has gone down, but it hasn't sunk to nothing. He can't do anything until Durant's decision is made or until yeah. his future is set. So there's still a good amount of players in this free agent marketplace who are, that are just more fit than Stallworth. Yeah, who, who fit more. And there's probably other trades. You know, maybe Utah has a Donovan Mitchell trade up their sleeve. Maybe Miami is targeting a player. Like, there's a, probably a lot of floodgates that are ready to open in the NBA that are just not that there's a dam in front of it until Durant's until either the Nets say we're not well, trading him, stop calling, or we have a trade in place. Honestly, at this right now, if I'm as as a Knicks fan, if this Mitchell thing gets a little more interesting over the next week, I am absolutely taking advantage of everybody else sitting on their hands and waiting to see what Kevin Durant does and offering Utah the best package that you can and just trying to steal him in, in the meantime. Hey, what if they say, if there is a giant Kevin Durant trade, we're going to be a part of it. And Donovan Mitchell's going to Brooklyn. I, it could be a thing. I I would be unhappy about it, but it, it could be a thing. It could be a thing. We'll see. Um, Tom, one thing's for sure is, um, the Yankees, I think they won tonight against Pittsburgh. I've not been watching because you know my rule. I don't want to get yelled at um, for being distracted. But I think they won, so they split with Pittsburgh. Um, let's start with them. They ten took to two nothing. out of top of the beautiful. Year. Love it. So ten nothing. They'll take advantage and win that game heading into Fenway. How do we feel about this team? I have thoughts, but heading into a huge four game set with the Red Sox, despite the where the standings are, uh, I have thoughts on this team. How about you? Yeah, I do as well. I think um, I think this four-game set against the Red Sox honestly may decide the division. I know Tampa's going to have something to say about it, but I really do think if the Yankees can get three out of four here, they, they put them to bed early. Um, only, I don't know what the word is, whether, I, Gallo had a home run today, by the way, and it was a bomb. Um, Did you see the quick stat, by the way? He had a home run today. It's not, It's not only his first home run. It's his first RBI since June 17th. He's terrible. I swear to God, He's I thought awesome. I saw Bigfoot. I was like, holy shit, I just saw Joey Gallo <laughs> home run. Him and Donaldson went back to back. I couldn't. I was like, what the fuck's going on right now? Thank you, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Um, the one gripe I have, Tyon's starting to fade. He yep. did not pitch well yesterday. I, we need to get a little more starting pitching in here. Yeah, he's not been good at five of his last six starts, mm-hmm. and the only Including thing that makes night. up for it is they've they they've been winning. They've been winning the majority of those games. One of the games was the Houston game where he gave up six runs in five and two-thirds. 
another game, he spots Oakland three runs before the Yankees come to the bat, but the Yankees win that game 5-3. And then yesterday, and he, you're right, he's fading. He's getting hit hard, and his stuff yeah. doesn't look like it's any different. It still looks good, but he's missing spots. Yeah, I was going to say, he's know. just leaving a lot over the middle of the plate. Yeah, he is, and they need him to be better. They, I don't know if he's ever going to be amazing. I mean, when he is good, he is good, but the starting pitching to me is really not that much of an issue. Tom, this offense to me just has too many games Holes. where they, they just can't score runs. Yeah, it's very frustrating. There'll be a lot of games where you see it and it'll be like, first of all, they are not doing very well this season in hitting with runners in scoring position. Mm-hmm. It has been brutal. I mean, I saw a stat today. You know, I've been watching like an insane amount of baseball. That's what you year. said, yeah. Um, and and DJ LeMay, he was hitting two fourteen with runners in scoring position. Luckily, he had a two RBI single. The the when that stat came up, but that's just terrible. And and you know this team keeps winning. So what can we really complain? And Judge has already been voted in as a starter to the All Star game, but he's gone pretty cold as well. I mean, he's. He, I think he was two for three today. But aside from that, over the last couple of games, he's been hitting one fifty. Um, and, and and you have. I mean, let's let's see. Gallo's an automatic out, auto out. Yep. I don't care yep. about his on base percentage or or anything like that. He's an automatic out. Donaldson's like a. I know he homered today. Borderline automatic out. Kiner mm-hmm. Falefa honestly is the only guy in this lineup where I'm okay if he gets an out because he's. He's a nine hitter. He's specifically in there for defense. Puts the bat on the ball too. He does. He makes good contact. He's a great base runner. And you know what? The Yankees could probably replace him as well. Um, but they the moves need to be made to improve this lineup. I've been looking at a few guys. You and my cousin brought up a guy who's hitting close to three hundred this year with with I I think ten bombs and Ian Happ. I would yep. I would be over the moon for him because that gets Judge out of center field full time, uh, or close to full time. We'll see how often Hicks plays, and it a hundred percent get hundred percent gets Gallo out of the lineup. And then maybe maybe a few infield players as well that they can rotate in. Yeah, to me, every, and I agree with everything that you just said, um, there are glaring holes on this team. And the reason they've been able to really not have it impact them is because Aaron Judge is the MVP of the American League right now. Mm-hmm. John Carlos standing up until the last couple of weeks where he's really struggled. I think he's also in this terrible tailspin of like three for his last 35. Um, he'd been smashing the ball and Rizzo's had an unbelievable year. Everybody else has been very inconsistent, including LeMayhew. Um, LeMayhew's you know, been terrible the last two years, honestly. I would, not I terrible. Mean, he, that's that's strong. He's not what he was his first two years. And no. that's, that's fine. Glaber is starting... Starting Glaber's been very good. Starting I was going to say Glaber. Glaber has been very good for the majority of the season. So I don't really have any qualms with him. But again, he doesn't play every single day. He plays a lot, and you know you have this revelation in Matt Carpenter, who seems to just get Hitting a hit third. every time up. Yeah, I know Hitting it's wild. Third on the best team in baseball. It's it's incredible. I got an eye on a guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a name here. He's he's not young, so I don't think they're gonna be too crazy about holding on to him. Patrick Wisdom mm. on Chicago. First yep. base, third base, outfield. He's already got 17 home runs this year. Plays a really good – wherever he fields, he's a very slick fielder. I like him. 
I do too. But he, yeah, he does, but he is also another guy that strikes out a lot. And you mm. also kind of have that player already in Marwin Gonzalez who plays pretty well. And True. he plays everywhere. And he's a switch hitter. And he's had a really nice run here. He just doesn't play every day. Um, I just I think it's Hap. Game. I think Hap is going to be in pinstripes. I tell you what, man. After watching these two games with Pittsburgh, I, I'm real. I, I'll give any. I'll I'll trade any package of players for fucking Reynolds because he is oh, yeah. see good. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, these are holes that against the teams like Pittsburgh, you know, you win a game ten nothing, and you think, oh, they ran, they won running away. Not true. Um, and even in that Houston series, very Jekyll and Hyde. You know, they they got shut out or no hit for sixteen innings. They had two ninth innings where they went berserk. Um, you can't rely on that in the postseason. We have too many guys in this lineup, Tom, that you just don't want to have getting really big at bats in big situations. And I think this Red Sox series is going to be telling because their pitching's not very good. They've been losing games, but they're streaky and they can put up runs. And I think if you have a series where you watch Joey Gallo come up with second and third, one out, and he strikes out again, you know, those are situations that maybe you, you skate by with because – IKF comes up with a single or whatever, or LeMahieu comes up with a single. But in the playoffs, that's not going to happen. No. And it, I think he's as good as gone. I think they're just playing him now to try to get any value out of him that they can, which I still don't understand why. The writing's on the wall, bro. Just take the L. Stop having him in the lineup that costs us games. But it, it's it, it definitely offensively, you can see when this team struggles – and if and if Judge and Stanton and Rizzo aren't all clicking on all cylinders, there's a lot of holes in this lineup, and there's a lot of opportunity for them to have that run. Where like, listen, if you had that series against Houston, Tom, where they got they lost to Verlander, scored one run, got no hit, scored zero runs, and up till the seventh inning of Sunday, were being shut out. If you have that in a postseason series, you're done. No doubt about it. They need. They need more sure hitters, and yeah, I would trade. I would trade the world for Reynolds. I trade a little bit less for Benintendi, and I trade a little bit less for Hap. But I would be happy with any of those three. Me too. And Hap, I think, is a guy you like the switch hitting, you like the pop, you like the fact he can play center and and relieve Judge, and he can also play other positions as well. Benintendi, I think, is just that classic lefty hitter, and then obviously Reynolds is as good as it gets. Um, yeah, but he's listen, a superstar. He's a superstar, but they're all better than the options they have right now. And I really hope Cashman is also aware of the fact that there are moves you can make right now. I mean, Miguel Andujar got called up as the quote unquote 27th man for that doubleheader. And there's never been a more insulting title to a player of his caliber than that, because he played both games and he made contact more in both games. And Joey Gallo had made in a month and a half. And he should be playing every day. He's a good enough left fielder now. He's not a butcher out there. I mean, you could you could talk yourself into he's your trade deadline acquisition because at least he puts the bat on the ball. He does a lot of things that this team needs: contact, a little bit of pop, and a very very really good solid hitter who's going to keep the defense from overshifting. Right? Yeah, no doubt about it. I. I... And if you're not going to play him every day, let's let's trade him for somebody that you actually like. Because you know how we feel about Cashman and his quote-unquote guys. And if you're not one of his guys, then you're gone. Right. And even Florial, I mean, he's been raking in AAA. Peraza's been raking in AAA. And I guess my question to you is, I know you say IKF's fine as a nine-hitter on this team. But his defense has not been good enough to me, I don't know if you feel any differently, to justify his no home runs, 19 RBIs, and 270 average. Peraza deserves a shot. 
I I agree with you. It's it's stable, but it's not like you know. It, I'll give you a player, Anderson Simmons, where he was like a platinum glove winner and he was the best fielder in baseball, but he hit two ten. Like that's a guy where you can justify because he saved so many runs. He makes the plays that are need to be that need to be made, but he's not. You know, he's not Ozzy Smith out there over the moon. What's funny to me is he seems to make the hard plays with a mm-hmm. lot more ease than he makes the routine plays. Yeah, which and, I don't. Like. And not to mention, I've I've watched a lot of games. Rizzo saved his ass a few times. Oh yeah. Who uh, he reminds me a lot of Teixeira. Yeah, you mentioned that on the last human pod, vacuum like... over there. Just if you no, if the ball's within ten feet, no matter what direction, he's he's getting it. Yep, and I, even LeMay, he was played a really nice first base when he he's been over there. So, yeah, I, there's upgrades that need to be made. What's your prediction heading into this weekend? To me, if they just split, I'm so happy, simply due to where That's, the standings are. Took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say I'll take a split. I am a little concerned that they could go – I don't think they'll get swept, but they could go one and three, and then that's – obviously I'm not going to say that's when we start hitting the panic button – because no. this team's the best team in baseball, but that's when Cashman really start needs to you know get the second cell phone out and start working it. I think this is going to be a really good barometer as to what additions and the sense of urgency on those additions need to be made. Because there's nothing that can happen in the standings that are really going to impact you. I think Boston lost to Tampa Bay tonight, so the Yankees will be, I think, 14 games ahead of them heading into this weekend. So even if you get swept... You're four game, you're ten games up on them, but I think it's going to be a great indicator of how did we lose these games? How did our pitching stack up with their potent lineup? Who, although they're streaky, they are dangerous. And did your bats do well enough against really not a great pitching staff? I'm, I'm going to be fascinated by that because if you come out of this series, I don't care about as much the game results, Tom. I care much more about how the lineup looked, how the pitching looked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and how you start to deploy certain guys out of that bullpen um, because I just don't have the most trust even with how good the Yankees have been that they could just waltz into Fenway Park and kick the living shit out of the Red Sox. Yeah, and to be honest, I guess I can take it back what I said about the starting pitching because between Cole, who's been excellent, Montgomery, who's got a 1.03 whip on the year, 3.19 ERA, he's been great. Severino pitched a gem today, and... Nestor got off to a great start. He's starting to fall back to earth. He's still fine. The only guy I have concerns about is Tyon. Yeah, I kind of put Nestor and Tyon in the same bucket because Nestor, up until that Cleveland start the other night, hadn't really been good and hadn't been giving innings. Um, and I think if he gets smacked around at Fenway, that's a cause for concern. With Tyon, agreed. Monty, we know what he is. He's going to have some of those clunkers. It just is what it is. Cole is that's a that's another one. Cole starts game one tomorrow. It's his first appearance at Fenway since the wild card game. I, I want to see how he. I want to yeah. see how he throws. But I think they're going to be in the market for starting pitching, dude. I really do. I don't. I think I. just because of the innings concerns with some of these guys, I don't think they want to. We didn't mention it. the bullpen at all because I think the bullpen's. I mean, I don't know the amount of baseball I've been watching. Every single guy, lefty, righty, whatever, comes out throwing a hundred. I mean, you could probably pay a dollar and get a good reliever. Probably. It's incredible. They've, they've got the guys. I mean, even Domingo Herman could come up and, and give you out of the bullpen. Like, they're, they're loaded. Yeah, no doubt about it. And listen, no complaining there, just a few holes that we're noticing because 
at this point when you're what 13 and a half games about up on the Red Sox and you're the best team in baseball you got to look ahead to the playoffs you really do beautifully said these are not problems that we're complaining because they're not playing well in July if this is a team that we expect now based off how they've performed so far to be in a World Series and win it you can't go to bat especially Houston we'll do our full check-in at another day but Tom, I don't think just even though the Yankees have a better record than Houston by I believe like four or five games. I don't think they're a better team. I, perfect. There it is. I don't think they are either. I think Houston's better. I agree, man. It's crazy because I I think the Yankees got them in the in the starter department. I mean, they kind of fall off a cliff when it comes to their starters. But outside of that, they are just. I mean, they they have a better defense. They hit for days, and their bullpen's nasty. And you know what? I take that back about the starters now that I'm thinking about it. I was just going to say. Garcia's nasty. Obviously, you got Verlander. I mean, their they're one through four is pretty good. I mean, they, they've just brought back um, they've just brought back Odorizzi. McCullers is on his way back. And they've also got, um, what's his name there? The, uh, the guy that... Uh, that no hit us through seven uh christian javier yep he's uh, great as well so their their rotation's more than fine and you know them they'll go make a move if they need to absolutely yeah well listen let's not complain best team in baseball they they probably are going to win 10 nothing today so let's just keep it rolling and, and let's get better where we can there it is how about the new york mets the mets I mean, Scherzer's back. Bass, of course, you, it's like you trade one guy for the other. Scherzer, Scherzer comes back. Bassett heads to the IL, but it's just a quick little thing. Um, I mean, they won. They won a big game today that I thought they were going to lose. I, I think they ended up going up big in extra innings. I haven't checked, um, but they yeah, eight to three. I think is the Perfect. final score. So, um, I mean, for me. Again, it's another team that I'm just not worried about. They're 20 games over 500. It's just the Braves are really coming on strong. They're only two and a half games back. I think that the Mets are <laughs> – the fans are not going to feel comfortable about this team no. at any point, um, especially with how Atlanta's been playing. But, I mean, the way Scherzer pitched yesterday, it's almost like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't because he comes back, you're so excited – but again, they don't score any runs, and it's like, oh, this is all we've been watching with Degrom for the last few years. They've got to improve their offense because there's a there is a black hole at that DH spot. Yeah, I know, and I, I like I like a lot of their their position players. I mean, even down to the the guy I was watching the Mets game today, Guillermo. I mean, he's he hits everything. It's incredible. But you're right; they they definitely need to get a big bat. I don't know. I don't know if um, Washington would trade in division, but Josh Bell just seems like a perfect guy for would. them. I think they would because it's not like he's going to be the reason why the Mets keep beating you over the next few years. They're so screwed. It, it's like remember when the Orioles traded Britain to the Yankees? It's like, yeah, if we were still competitive, fine, but we're not going to be competitive while he's on your team. So screw it. Yeah, I really like Bell for them. What about Trey Mancini? That's another guy. He he would be good as well. And, I mean, Bell can play a little bit of outfield, and he's primarily a first baseman. Mancini can probably do the same, same thing, and he plays a really good right field. So I, I, I think either of those guys would be great for the Mets. I don't think they need to do anything crazy. I think they just need no, to go just... get a professional hitter, and they need some bullpen help. 
Yeah, they need to beef up their bullpen. And, I mean, we, we kept pounding the table for a starter. Honestly, I think if you lengthen that bullpen, you could kind of go with a four-man mix-and-match fifth-man rotation. Yeah, my only concern... Oh, no, go ahead. Finish your I was, thought. Ju- I was just going to say, if DeGrom comes back, I don't know if he's rehabbing yet. He is. He absolutely dominated in single A the other day. Sick. That's that's like me playing basketball at like a three-year-old camp. Um, he hit 100 his first three pitches. Oh, so he's fine. He's fine. So if you go DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, to John Walker, and then you have a mixture of Carrasco, Peterson, and and McGill, I think you're fine. You just want to lengthen that bullpen out. And then again, like you said, they just need to get a professional hitter in there at their DH spot because whoever they're running out there right now is just not not cutting it. No, it's not. They, there's there's too many games that kind of like what we were talking about with the Yankees, where if you told me they won eight, three, like they did tonight. Yeah. I, I believe that because they have the firepower to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you also told me they got shut out, like they did last night to the Reds, I would also believe that. But the thing with the Mets and you, it's good. You highlighted the bullpen is the, the most common thing I noticed with them is that their starters will be fine for the most part. They'll give you four five, six, but then, Lugo, Tommy Hunter, Adam Adovino come in and they give up, you know, three runs and you're playing from behind and, and then you're screwed. Yep. And that's the thing is like if there's going to be anything that does the Mets in and, and ruins this unbelievable two-headed monster of Scherzer and DeGrom and you also throw, like you said, Bassett in there, and Carrasco, Peterson. John um, Walker. Yep. Yep, exactly. Walker. It's going to be the fact that they're either their bullpen couldn't hold a lead or their offense couldn't score any runs to give them a lead. And, and I think that's what's going to be addressed at the deadline. Other than that, you know, this isn't the AL East. The Braves are way too good. They're the defending World Series champs. They're going to give the Mets a run for their money, and the Mets better be up for the challenge. Yeah, yeah, and the Braves have been just – they might have had the best record in baseball in June. I know they were up there. They're a high strikeout team, but – they seem to hit a lot of home runs. This guy Harris, the the rookie that they got, oh. is he's really really good, like incredible. In fact, they called him up from Double A too, dude. Yeah, and he he's never. I don't think he's ever going back down at this point. Um, no. I mean, and their their pitching starting to turn around. It's going to be a really really interesting summer into early fall for for this NL. And the, and Phillies, I mean, ever since they fired Girardi, they're right there too. I mean, Schwarber's the hottest player in baseball. He hit another homer today. Yeah, he's been he's been on another level, dude. And you're right. I mean, the, to me, their pitching's still not good enough, and their their bullpen no. sucks. But they're they're fun at least. They can out slug you, and they, that's what they've been doing for you know a month now. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, you ready to talk a little? You ready to live a little? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this head-to-head between the live at Pumpkin Ridge and then uh, obviously going head-to-head with the John Deere and what were your takeaways from everything that you heard and, and what you acknowledged as well. I, I didn't really watch that much golf this weekend. As you know, I was up in uh, up in the Cape, and yep. I, I was just a little busy. But just following it along and stuff, I mean, it was it was a long run pre to us open to now like the week before that when all the live crap came out and all of the stars were just holding it down for the pga 
just it seemed like JT and Spieth and Rory and and um, John Rahm and everybody else, you name the guy, played in every tournament. When usually they'll take a week off here and there, so it seems like they were burnt out. There was not that many good players, so the John Deere it, it didn't hold up to what it usually does. Um, and then the live, I mean, the golf sucked, but. You know, it was there, and, and they're they're just getting more and more players. You know, they got Matthew Wolf on there now. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the team standings, and, and they've got some players. Go ahead. So you said the golf sucked. Why does the golf suck, just from, you know, complete novice here, why does the golf suck so bad if the players and the talent pool is so great? I think, I think you said it last week. It's just they're really they're playing for, for nothing. Like, at least when I watch a PGA Tour event, you know, it's every man for himself out there and they're grinding for something. And and also we're leading up to where, we're, you know, you got the Scottish Open this week and next week you have your uh, you have the Open Championship or whatever they call it. I don't even know. Yes, at this the point. Open Championship. Yep. Um, and and you're, you're watching your guys. You want to see who's hot. Everybody who's anybody's playing in the Scottish Open this week. Because if you remember last year, Morikawa never played Lynx golf in his life, went out, played well in the Scottish Open, and then he won the Open Championship. So I'm keeping my eyes peeled on this week for my betting. But this, it's like Brandon Grace won $4 million this week because he won the tournament. It, do I give a fuck? Am I really going to keep an eye on him to win the the British Open? No. Uh, like, I, it's just, it doesn't do it for me. It, it just, there's something about it. I, I could honestly care less. And I think that's how a lot of golfers feel. Um, And I, I don't know how to make that better for them. I don't want them to make it better. I, I told you what I wanted to do. I, t- I laid out my business plan. You, know, you were very adamant about it last week, and you did a great job detailing all of it. I, I just, I don't think I, I'm a complete agreement with you. I mean, if there was a if there was a tournament to absolutely dominate, it would have been the John Deere if you're with. But they don't have a television contract, at least not yet. And we detailed how you know that could possibly come to fruition. But as long as that's not the case, and they're not playing a traditional golf match, and they don't play on Sunday, and nobody really knows what's going on, and these guys don't have a major incentive because they're already getting paid, I'm in agreement with you. You can have the best players you want in the world. It doesn't really matter. Like, get the best football players and tell them you have to play in this new USFL, and they're not playing in the NFL anymore. Like, okay, yeah, you're making all this money. What's your incentive playing all your games in Birmingham? Yeah, and sometimes it's just really cool where it's like, oh, that guy missed that guy missed a putt, and it cost him, you know, it cost him five, fifty thousand dollars because he missed that putt. Right. It sucks for them, and I get why they would jump to live. But I mean, oh, Phil Mickelson, by the way, he finished forty second at ten over. <laughs> embarrassing, fucking embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm gonna watch it just for the sake of giving you a good update on it. Um because I didn't really watch it this week. I'm sorry. That's on me. But no, it's not. You were in Cape Cod. I know. I know you follow along with it, so that's that's why I asked. I, I could just, I could really fucking care less about it, you know? Sure. It's just well, these that's the thing. If they don't have insane. people like, yeah, if they don't have people like you care that much about it, and you're more dialed into like the mid-major tournaments in the PGA, then they're going to struggle. Absolutely. Um. 
I mean, we're gonna get our. We're gonna get. Are we gonna get a full foursome out of you coming up next week? Oh yeah, I should probably do my prep for the open, shouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Well, watch you the Scottish. What? Watch the Scottish, and then you know, take it from there. You uh, you've been impressed with my recent golf acumen, right? Absolutely. I'm gonna give you a foursome next week. Oh my guy, my guy. I was. Book it. Speaking of speaking of stepping outside your uh, whatever you want to call it, um, I, I'm just I don't understand college sports anymore, man. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. To. Just as I was getting into it, they're doing everything to kick me out, kick me right back out. I mean, I, this is just this is just going to be another step, and eventually, what's going to be a massive regional college football landscape and there's not is it gonna, gonna get to a point where it's just like we're gonna rank the best teams of the season based off their recruiting class one through 40 and you guys are gonna be in the nfl junior and then everybody else is gonna play in college football and that's it no as as, as great as that sounds i think what's gonna end up happening is you're gonna have like two major conferences Mm. Uh, and you can call them whatever you want because I assume you know regions don't matter anymore. So you can have a you can have a, a big ten or, or you can have a big ten in an SEC if you want, and those are going to be your your conferences. Because obviously, if you tell me that in October I get to I can't wait for the USC Trojans to go visit the Purdue Boilermakers in a conference game, you know that's that's. That's a real turnoff for me uh, and probably anybody else. Now, uh, the thing that college football, and I know we've talked about it, still has a disadvantage, and I know it's going to change, which is going to not make it as much of an advantage anymore. Is what I love about where the regular season is now is you can't lose a game, really. unless And if you do, you need a lot of other teams to lose to break right so you can get in the college football playoffs. I love that it's four teams. I didn't love it at first. I love it more now. It makes every game matter a lot. And you tell me, why do you care so much about Ohio State, Oregon in week two? It's because if Ohio State's ranked number three in the country and they lose that game, they may not get in, no matter what they do in the conference. Um, and that I love. Uh, sudden death every week, I think, is great. Uh, but if you take that away, then what is it really? I think it's just going to be two major conferences. But yeah, I think it sucks. Like, Tom, you're you are a Big East guy like me in terms of basketball. I'm going to turn this question on you. They'll never turn into what football is. But do you look at the Big East conference and your St. John schedule the same way you did ten years ago? Of course not, because now DePaul's on it instead of Syracuse. Like, do you get charged up for a game in February as your Johnnies have won three in a row, and on the Fox afternoon game of the week they're playing at Creighton? No, not at all. The only games you really get fired up for are, now that UConn's back is UConn and Nova, Georgetown. I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Providence, I yeah. guess. Yeah, you could even say Marquette too because they've been there long enough. But still, like those aren't the those aren't the main rivalries. And listen, I, I think that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have always somewhat made sense because for 110 years the the winner of each conference plays each other in the Rose Bowl. So there's synergy there between the two conferences. But outside of that, like, seriously, like UCLA, we saw this with Texas and Oklahoma, you know, seceding from the Big 12. Like, they're going to be in the SEC now. Like, okay, A&M and Texas are finally back. That's a rivalry that's mattered for a long time. And you keep, obviously, the Red River rivalry that you love so much being played at the neutral site. But, you know, 
like Missouri versus Missouri versus Oklahoma, like that's an old Big Twelve rivalry, but that rivalry doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, these schools have sold their souls for revenue, which I get. And I'm never going to shit on anybody for trying to get money in television deals, but. Outside of that, you are just completely selling your soul to your fan bases. Like, does anybody does anybody give a shit that Nebraska plays in the Big Ten now instead of still being in the Big Twelve? They haven't been good for twenty years. No, not at all. I will say I was thinking though when I when I was thinking about this, Will planting his flag with the Kansas Jayhawks in his fraudulent uh, fandom for because <laughs> we made him pick one college. You can't you right. can't root for you can't root for you know Arizona State baseball or whatever he rooted for and South Carolina Gamecocks for football and Kansas Jayhawks for for basketball. So he picked Kansas, which honestly was a smart strategy because the big the Big Twelve is wide open now. Yeah, it is. Well, at least like you give me a pass for being able to root for another football team because UConn football doesn't really count. I I personally as the czar don't, but most people would. I could I could empath- I could see most people giving you a pass. You know what's going to be fun is living here. Obviously, I will I do root for Texas, but not in the way I root for Bama. But being when they're both in the SEC, that should be a lot of fun. We will really get to see that's, how much of a front I am then. Yeah, well, that's going to be that's going to be like a couple weeks pay ticket, my friend. Well, didn't you oh, tell I'm me about going. that last week? Texas yeah, playing no, Alabama, and your friend paid his rent for the for six months or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I'm like they have the home and home, which was scheduled well before Texas decided that they were going to the SEC. But that will be a yearly game now mm-hmm. uh, after after 2023. So, yeah, no, it's it's insane. Um, so we'll see, especially if you know they're they're battling for the same recruits. Because that those are schools that really matter in college football. Well, like, yeah, I mean Texas still the matters. Thing. They just got Arch Manning. Yeah, they're the rich. I think that they're they do have the most money spent on their football program of any in terms of having boosters and facilities and all that. Now eventually NIL deals, but than any team in the country. I wouldn't be surprised, man. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they're one of the biggest colleges in the country. I think Texas A&M is one of the biggest colleges in the country. Actually. A&M's huge, yeah. Per like, I'm just saying, student wise, it's one of the biggest colleges. No, no, I know. But I think also has, think like, about 100K. this: like, what have they done since they've been in the SEC? Right? Like, they made shit. this move for the SEC. They've done shit. They've been good. They've been relevant. They've been they knocking on the Johnny door football and a couple they, times they, in like November. You're like, oh, they might make the playoffs, and then they lose the game. Yeah, they beat Bama last year uh, in College Station. They had the Johnny Manziel run. Like they've had good teams, but at the expense of losing their rivalry with Oklahoma and Texas, like is it really has it been worth it? Like if you ask them, like and they'll say yes because of the revenue and the SEC network and all that shit. But it's like, is it really been that great for you? Like Missouri, like congrats, you went to the SEC. You're the team everybody forgets about when they rank SEC teams. Yeah, I mean it's it's them and Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At least Vandy's always been there. But yeah, dude, it's it's wild. I I don't. You're gonna have to hang in there because it does still matter and it's fun. But if you're if you're paying attention to rivalries, uh, throw those out the door. The one thing I know is that 
Vegas still has not been able to fill to figure out some college football lines, so that's my saving grace. There we go. That's important. Keep it that way. Absolutely. Everybody check out the Substack. Well, check out the Twitter at Sorry Sports and just click on it from there and start fucking subscribing to it. Let's get some more emails in there, Sean. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, everybody seriously because Tom's Tom's cleaning up here and and you're you're losing out on free money if you're not if you're not going with this. Absolutely. You got anything else going on? Any shows? It's starting to get slow this time of year, although I've been watching more baseball than ever. Any shows? Did you watch the Jinx when I asked you to? No, no, <laughs> fell through the cracks. I even forgot I forgot all about it until right now. Um, ah, that's a good line that I haven't really used. When I forget to do something from now on, I'm just going to tell people, sorry about that. Sorry, Michaela, forgot to make the bed. It uh, fell through the cracks. Probably not the same level of importance of me missing a show, but, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, no, I have not, but how about you? I got back into Ozark. Um, I was watching that a little bit while watching, uh, while watching baseball on another device. So been watching that, (laughs) um, outside of that, that's, that's pretty much it. Did you you see the Minions movie? No. Did you? No. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I, why? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to hear you answer. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't want to be part yeah. of the fad. No, I'm good. Uh, I'm good. But, yeah, man, other than that, you know, time's time's ticking away, and we got football in, like, nine weeks, which is amazing. Uh, and there's plenty to keep us occupied till then. Uh, so you said you're you're on the road again this weekend, right? On the road again many a times. This weekend's LBI, then I got Boston. Or not LBI. No, that was a couple weeks ago. Uh, this weekend's <laughs> North Carolina. I better get that straight. This weekend's yeah, North you Carolina. Don't go to the wrong place. Uh then I got Boston. Uh then I got then I got Jersey somewhere. Then I got Maine. I don't know. I got a lot going on. You've got a lot going on. It's time's gonna fly by, bro. I know, man. I haven't I haven't been able to get out on the links that much. It's kind of kind of sucks, but you know, summers summers for this for travel, I suppose. Well, I fly into uh, into New York one month from uh, Saturday. When are you When are you coming in? The ninth. Yep. And how long are you staying for? I'll be there till the fourteenth. All right. I'll definitely make I'll definitely make it a point to see you then. The ninth is on what day? It's a Monday. Okay, yeah. I'm going away the 7th and the 8th. I'll be back Monday. I'll see you then. Perfect. Yeah. And even, you know, if you got plans heading into that weekend, we'll make time to do something during the week. So No doubt about it. Well, it's exciting, man. I'm looking forward to getting up there. Uh, we got a few more podcasts to do before then. But have a good time in Carolina, and everybody enjoy the pod. And if crazy news breaks between now and when you leave we'll we'll hop on real fast but hopefully everything's fine and you can go enjoy your trip yes sir nothing's gonna happen katie's on the nets don't worry about it all right all right